Welcome back, everyone, to the Men on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Brad Richard, and shortly we will be starting our next episode. We will be providing you tools, resources, and information that you can use to make your life just a little bit better. But before we do that, let's honor our country, and then we'll begin the podcast. Welcome back to the Men on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Brad Richard, and tonight is episode 66, uh, Route 66. Uh, it's going to be a great episode. I have a friend of mine on with us tonight, Rich LaMonica, and Rich is a motivational speaker. He is an author, and he is also a uh, fellow Army veteran. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, Rich, and then we are going to uh, bring him in and have a great uh, a great talk with him this evening on the podcast. Rich LaMonica is a Army veteran who realized having a purpose in life is the best way to live. He is a life learner and is pursuing his doctorates from Liberty University in Homeland Security. That'll be an interesting part of his story, I'm sure. Um, he started the Misfit Nation podcast as a way to help veterans find their voice by telling their stories, along with bringing in experts who are willing to share tips with veterans on how to, to be successful through their actions. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk with Rich on military transition, different veterans issues that uh, that are out there. There are many. And he is going to speak uh, a little bit about uh, getting out of your own way as a veteran and uh, a, a one word topic uh, titled resilience. So welcome, Rich, to the Men on a Mission podcast. Great to have you. I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to share my story and also, like you said, talk about veterans issues and see what we can do, brainstorm together to maybe get help for all our brothers and sisters out there that, that may not be doing well or maybe not be doing as well as they want to be at this time. Um, tell the listeners a little bit about, you know, your background. Uh, what did you do in the Army? How many years did you serve? And what uh, kind of brought you to the place that you're at now? Because I know that you are, you know, full throttle when it comes to veterans and helping them. Um, you know, we're friends on LinkedIn and you have, you know, great uh, guests on your podcast. So, what kind of brought you to that place where you're where you're at now? Awesome, yeah. In 1993, uh, I was uh, 
in the reserves and uh, still trying to figure out my, my way through life as a young man, you know, as most of us do at that age, uh, 18 to 23 years old, you don't know really what you want to do. You're doing what you're told to do at that point. And I was going to college, uh, playing college football. I joined the reserves and I realized that I just couldn't uh, do both. I couldn't play uh, play army on the weekends and uh, keep that motivation. And still, I wasn't really fond of school at that point. So I went and uh, I became an active duty soldier, went to Fort Stewart in 93, uh, was with the infantry there. Uh, I was a chemical operations specialist or a, a NBC guy. I was the white guy put the put the gas chamber on for everyone, made everyone angry at that time. Uh, trained them to survive the modern airland battlefield at that point, which was a chemical warfare. And then I moved from there to Korea, Korea to Fort Campbell, Fort Campbell to Fort Riley. At Fort Riley, I was uh, deployed on 9-11. I was already gone when 9-11 occurred. We were in Kuwait, uh, rolling on the border, you know, doing a Operation Southern Wash, I believe it was called at the time. And that's when we got the call that uh, the Twin Towers had been hit. And none of us thought it was true, so we beat tail back and we're told we're on ThreatCon Delta. Had no idea what that meant at the point. Uh, we went from having uh, zero rounds and getting ice cream every day to having full battle rattle and no ice cream for the rest of our tour as we started pushing others into combat. Uh, from there, went back to Fort Riley, got sent to the desert, to an NTC to train to go to the desert, even though we were just in the desert. Uh, and we went to, I went to Iraq after that, uh, 2003, 2004, in uh, Ramadi, and uh, Sunni Triangle, uh, rest of Ramadi, festive Ramadi, uh, beautiful Ramadi, everyone calls it, all kinds of different names they have for Ramadi. Uh, and then uh, from there, I came back to Fort Riley, uh, Fort Riley to Anniston, Alabama, where I destroyed chemical weapons or supervised the, the destruction of chemical weapons for uh, three years, back to Korea for a two-year stint with my family over there. So they got to enjoy uh, the rock for a couple of years and didn't want to come home. Uh, I was supposed to go to Germany, but I was told uh, they were deploying. So I couldn't go to Germany because it wouldn't be fair to my family. So they sent me to Fort Campbell and I deployed quicker from Fort Campbell than I did if I was going to Germany. So I went right to Afghanistan within 60 days of getting back to the States, uh, 2010, 2011. That's where the Misfit Nation is born in 2010. I picked up my platoon over there, a, a band of brothers and sisters who were brought together all different MOSs that were brought together to be the force protection and a quick reaction force for the entire brigade. So we, we uh, were in charge of building the FOB, building all the towers, uh, manning the gates, building the gates. And uh, from the time I took over to the time we left, we wound up, uh, we were getting a skirmish fights, a skirmish fire over the, all the, over the walls at first. Then once we did all that, we started patrolling, all those attacks went down probably once a month instead of once a week. So it was, it was pretty good. Uh, from there, back to Fort Campbell. I was home probably six months, and we got a, uh, gave notice to go back to Afghanistan as advisors. And this was at the time when it was uh, a lot of green on blue uh, attacks, a lot of Afghan on uh, army attacks, uh, U.S. forces attacks at this time. And we'd be living as a 12 to 14 man team with embedded with the Afghan army in Kunar. And we got there, and uh, I was on, on base two days, and the, the the Taliban got me within two days on base. They hit me, hit me with a mortar uh, through the back of my leg, out the front of it, my left leg. Uh, I got evac'd, and within 32 hours, I was right back at base. Um, Sergeant Major told me I got hit with the, I got the million dollar wound. I said, no, nah, Sergeant Major, I didn't get shot in the ass. Uh, I got hit in the leg. He said, no, <laughs> you, got, you get a free license plate for life. I said, that's wonderful, man, great. Uh, Sergeant Major Griffin, uh, he, uh, he would pass away a couple months later in a suicide attack in Afghanistan. Uh, the same attack where uh, Florida Flo Groberg got the 
received the Medal of Honor for saving the Colonel, same exact attack. Uh, from there, back to Fort Campbell, took back over my uh, actual platoon there, and then uh, PCS to Maryland for about a year and a half, two years, dropped my retirement paperwork there, came back to Fort Campbell for two days to retire in 2015. So I retired about the same time my daughter graduated high school, so we both finished our 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 childhood, I guess, at the same time. So I had to go out and find my adult job <laughs> at that point. And so for a year, I, I couldn't find a job for a year. So it was kind of kind of a struggle as part of a transition we'll talk about later. But that, that, that year taught me a lot about myself, a lot about uh, those around me, my network that I thought I had. And it, it taught me resilience, which we'll also talk about later. Uh, one Exactly one year later, I was hired by The Mission Continues, a veteran nonprofit out of St. Louis where I became a fellowship mentor, a fellowship program mentor, a specialist. So I would mentor veterans as they went through their transition for six months and they volunteered in their hometown or their community at a nonprofit of their choice, something that was a passion for them or something that, that had some kind of root for them to get back into the community and find their self a per sense of purpose. And then after about two years there, my uh, former first sergeant called me and said, hey bud, you wanna come work with us? I said, heck yes. So you got me a job right here on Fort Campbell, training so training soldiers, excuse me, on emerging threats, and that's what I've been doing for the last almost oh, three years now, training soldiers on emerging threats at Fort Campbell. And in that time, I've uh, attained my master's degree from Georgetown in uh, disaster and emergency management, and started my doctorate in uh, homeland security through Liberty University, and also wrote the book Thirteen Step Guide to Success. Is your book available on Amazon? Yes, it is. It's on Amazon. It's a 13 step guide to success by Rich LaMonica. Okay. We'll get the uh, link for that in the show notes. Awesome. Wow. Um, how, so how many years total were you in? Uh, 22 years active duty. Wow. Okay. You, yeah. I was in seven. <laughs> you had me beat by a long shot three times that, but uh, weeks. <laughs> yeah. and most of my active duty time was in Anchorage, Alaska. Ooh, wow. Uh, I didn't get to I didn't get to travel as much as you did, but um, wow. Uh, so I mean, you pretty much walked the walk, talked the talk, um, been there, done that. And when you came back, well, let me ask you this: when it came to transitioning, your personal transition, what did you struggle with the most when you left the military um, energy? Okay. And walked into civilian, uh, into the civilian world, which we both know is extremely different in many different ways. Oh, definitely, it is. Uh, that transition is it's different for every one of us, but it's it's kind of the same for every one of us at the same time. So after 22 years of strapping on my boots every day, lacing them up, and putting the uniform on, and having a sense of purpose every day of what I had to do for uh, 22 years, on that that June 30th or July 1st, 2015. I got up and didn't have to do that anymore. I didn't know what to do with my hands. So I would, I'd walk around and say, what do I do? And I'd, I'd put all those applications in. I wasn't getting any bites. So it took me a while to realize that I needed help in that. I thought I knew everything because I knew so many NCOs that made it. And they, they oh, we'll take care of you. But they just couldn't. They didn't have that pull to take care of you. And then um, I finally got with Hire Heroes USA, gave them what I thought was a good resume. It written in my language to them. And a couple of days later, they sent it back to me. I was like, who is this guy? This is this is a great resume, and I started putting that out. I started getting bites here and there, bites here and there. So finally, I think it was uh, seven, eight months, uh, maybe probably nine months. I got an interview up in Washington D.C. for Homeland Security Emergency Management Office up there for the District of Columbia. So I drove from Tennessee up there, 
first interview and I get there, I'm rocking the interview and the interviewer asked me, what college did you go to? I said, Ashford University. He said, oh, and right there, I knew I didn't have the job. So I, I said, all right, thank you for your time. I started my ride home and I was actually a fellow in the Mission Continues at this point. And my fellowship program specialist, uh, Jeremy Bailey, he called me to check in on me. And I told him how that went. He said, you don't want that job anyway. I said, I really did. I really wanted that job. because that's the career I want to be in. He said, no, I got a job for you. You need to apply to this. And I applied. I went, uh, took the ride home, 11 hour ride home back to Fort Campbell or to Tennessee. Now, a few weeks later, a few days later, we went on a trip to um, Mississippi with the Wounded Warrior Project. Me and my wife had sent us on a couples retreat, uh, Project Odyssey. And we're down there, you know, doing all the adventure stuff, uh, rock climbing, canoeing, and all that stuff, uh, zip lining. And I get an email saying, you have an interview in St. Louis on uh, Friday. I said, oh, it's good. We get home Thursday. I can get to St. Louis on Friday. It's only a three-hour ride. So we get home late Thursday night. But we get home late Thursday night, so I don't have a suit. I don't have anything put together. So we start ironing everything together. I hang it up in my car. I have a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and I drive out to St. Louis early in the morning. I get about three quarters of the way there. I called Jeremy and said, where should I park? So what do you mean where should you park? I said, for my interview. He said, they didn't tell you it was virtual? I said, no, they didn't tell me it was virtual. They said, come to St. Louis. He said, well, you're here anyway. You might as well come in. So I went and uh, I met my, my dad, who would become my boss. But as soon as I walked in, I said, let's go get some pizza. So they took the whole team out for pizza. I said, this is the interview? They said, yeah, you got to see if you blend with your team. I said, all right, that's a lesson learned right there. They said, your next interview will be virtual right there. They told me. I said, all right, good. Drove back to Fort Canal, Tennessee. And I got the job eventually after uh, three interviews. I like, yeah, three interviews total to get that job. And like I said, I stayed there for two years. But along that journey, that transition journey, you learn a lot about yourself. You start to feel down about yourself when you're not getting bites on the, on the jobs because you know you were good at what you did in the military. You know you were a good leader. You know you did all this stuff great. But you're not getting any bites because people think you want more than you actually do. They think you want to get paid a lot because of your experience. You don't. You just want, you want a sense of purpose. You want to be able to go out and do something and not sit in your house, just drink with your dogs all day. And that's basically what I was doing, drinking with my dogs all day and just contemplating what, what I can actually do to get money. And finally, when I got that bite, I had this big weight off my shoulders. So once you have a job, it's a lot easier to find a job. And that's what I learned along the way too. While you're in a steady position, that's when you look for your next position if you don't like it. So do that and take notes along the way. Find people that are actually going to mentor you and have them put, put you under their wing. And then, then you have a wing too. You can bring people underneath. And that's what I do now with the Misfit Nation. Yeah, that's awesome. Did, um, did, you, did you know like right before you ETS, right before you, you were done, you were shipping home, did you know at that point what you wanted to do or did oh, yeah. that okay I, I didn't know if it came like months later after you got home. <clears throat> i knew i knew a year out what i wanted to do i wanted to work in with fema or homeland security whichever one hired me because that's what my undergraduate degree was in homeland security emergency management so i wanted to work in those fields and kind of like the chemical war the chemical operations specialist field in the army kind of blend straight into those two fields so it was an easy transition so that's what i wanted to do and then as when I finally got this, this job I'm in now, I, I started teaching intelligence and doing intelligence analyst work. And I really enjoyed that when I got this, but I still am pursuing Homeland Security because Homeland Security is very near and dear to my heart. And I want to be able to consult on that as well. Mm -hmm. the, um, were, were you ever at, uh, at FEMA at the Denver Federal Center? Not at Denver, no. I, I actually 
I never went in the center, but I stayed in the hotel right across from it. <laughs> okay. Because yeah. I was stationed there at, okay. at the FEMA Center, the underground facility there at the Denver right. Federal Center. So when you brought that up, it's like, hmm, I wonder if you, I wonder if you're ever in Denver because I was there too. Uh, you know, at probably a different time, but um, so that was that was interesting. I, before we take a break, and we're going to come up on a break here in about five minutes. Um, I, I want to get your and and on my podcast, feel free to express your opinion any way you feel it. Uh, you know, you don't you don't have to change it in any way. Um, we're currently the evening, you know, today or tonight that when we're recording this podcast, we have um, all out war going on in Ukraine and Russia has invaded Ukraine. And uh, today there was just massive amounts of information that came out uh, not looking good. Can you just kind of, you know, give us your perspective on what you saw today and um, kind of a message for all the veterans that are going to listen to this podcast later, but also witness what happened today and the intensity of, of, of what's going on right now with Russia and Ukraine. Well, for sure. Um, uh, first of all, like uh, when I joined the Army, we trained for this battle that's going on right now. So it was the Cold War large-scale combat operations, or LISCO as we call it now. Uh, last night, I had an interview on my podcast that ended at about 8.30 p.m. Central Time, so 9.30 Eastern Time, and it wasn't long after that when the first rounds went off. So I was sitting here at my in my office in the studio here doing some homework, and I seen that pop up on my Twitter feed. So that was 9 o'clock, 9.30 at night, whatever time. I stayed up until after 2, watching everything unfold, watching live feeds from Ukraine, I watched the first MI-8 get shot down from a Ukraine air, Ukraine air, air defense dude shot down a, a Russian helicopter. That was an awesome shot. Uh, what's going on right now, it's large-scale combat operations. Most veterans right now don't understand what large-scale combat operations are because we were trained. A lot of the guys that did only did time between 2001 and 2021, they learned uh, asymmetric warfare, fighting with a 360 battlefield and having uh, people shooting at you from all over with well, you wouldn't even know who was the enemy, kind of like in Iraq and Afghanistan. And now this one is basically your old style war, a brute force battle. You have air, first with artillery, then the air came in, then the tanks came in, uh, airborne troops jumped in. Everyone, they did the order of battle just like they always planned for Russia. And it was the same uh, thing that the intel analysts had said it was going to happen, the same exact way amphibious assault from the south, uh, mounted patrol, mounted attack from the north, and airborne from the west. Uh, East, I'm sorry. And uh, the battle, as uh, you're being shown on the news, is showing, uh, is showing Ukraine lose, losing this, losing that. In 2014, when Russia went in there uh, into the Crimea Peninsula, first they sent in their, uh, their drones, and the, the Ukraine army didn't realize they were at war. They looked up, seen them. It's all up cool drones. Those drones flew away, and uh, 10 to 15 minutes later, they were attacked with thermobaric uh, missiles and artillery and killed two entire battalions of mechanized uh, mechanized infantry that taught them a lesson they also in that time were fighting against tanks with rpgs in this battle they're fighting tank against tank and they're winning they're winning the tank war right now and if uh, you have to dive deep onto twitter to see some of this stuff but i i believe the ukrainian uh, army is fighting a lot harder than uh, our brothers in afghanistan they did way harder than our brothers in afghanistan they did when uh, they were faced against the taliban and i think this battle is going to be a lot longer than russia thought it was going to be 
it's going to be a lot more brutal than I thought it was going to be. And hopefully our brothers in Ukraine can uh, keep up the good fight and uh, se- secure the country. Absolutely. What would you tell veterans that are not currently serving uh, as far as keeping their mind positive and, uh, you know, just staying true to themselves uh, as far as if they may be having some, you know, difficult feelings or emotions pertaining to the event? I mean, there's probably a lot of anger, uh, I- I'm sure, in the veteran I'm community. Sure. I'm so sure there's what- a lot of uh, mixed feelings within the veteran community. And you can see that on every issue now from from the time uh, when we bailed on Afghanistan and that that debacle occurred, you've seen that wave of emotions there. All the veterans kind of went a little, they got angry. A lot of veterans got angry. A lot of veterans said, I told you this would happen if we left. And, and it was true. We knew it would happen if we left. We weren't there to babysit. This would happen. And uh, we just didn't realize it would happen that quickly. We thought they'd, we thought there'd be a fight. This here, uh, my, I encourage veterans not to watch mainstream news. Don't watch mainstream media. You're not going to get the whole story. You're going to get what they want you to hear. If you watch uh, Station A, they're going to tell you their view and, and support this side of the party. Station B is going to support this side of the party. Find something that's totally unbiased, like Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera doesn't like any of us. Go on Al Jazeera and just check out what they're reporting. Or go on Twitter, deep into Twitter, and just search Ukraine. You'll find all kinds of news on it. And you'll see what's really happening on the ground. And don't let your emotions get the best of you during this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's it's a rough time. Like you said, Afghanistan is still fresh uh, in the minds of our brothers and sisters in arms. And now, you know, this launched off last night. Um, crazy stuff, you know, came out all day. So, um, yeah, I, yeah, I appreciate you, you saying that. Um, we're fixing to take a short break. And when we come back, we are going to get into some more specifics on what you are doing uh, to help veterans. We're going to talk about your podcast and just talk about all the things that you're involved in. So, uh, and so let's go ahead and do that now. Uh, We'll take a break. And uh, when we get back, we'll be uh, continuing our conversation with Rich LaMonica. Uh, He is a motivational speaker, author, and a 22 year army veteran. So stay with me, Rich. We'll be right back. Welcome our new sponsor, Scars and Stripes Coffee Company. They empower veterans to build their own business using their e-commerce platform. When you purchase from Scars and Stripes Coffee, you are buying from a veteran, and your purchase directly impacts the men and women who have served our country. Do more than say, thank you for your service. Order today and empower a veteran. Use vet code Brad Richard at scarsandstripescoffee.com that's scarsandstripescoffee.com welcome back uh, everyone to the men on a mission podcast this is uh segment number two uh part two of episode 66 we are talking with rich lamonica he is a motivational speaker author and 22 year army veteran he is also the host of the podcast misfit nation it is a great podcast for veterans uh, and uh, family members to uh, to check out uh, just awesome content uh, I and I've listened to many many episodes of your podcast uh, it's it's terrific and we're going to have the link to the podcast in the show notes so um, great welcome back Rich awesome. and we learned you're welcome we learned so much um, you know about your background uh, in the first part second part 
um, tell us a little bit more about um, your book and the podcast, and then we'll kind of, you know, go from there. Okay, so uh, I'll start with with my book. You know, in uh, 2020, we had the the whole pandemic uh, kicked off. It was like the kickoff of the Super Bowl pandemic. Uh, we had so much stuff going on that year. Every month, at the end of the month, I would I'd write a, a post on my Facebook, welcome to this level of Jumanji, welcome to level 11 of Jumanji. And I'd put things down you can be doing to make it better. And uh, I figured uh, some people told me you should make, you should write a book about that. So I took all the thing, all the advice I gave and I, I wound up making the 13 step guides to success here. And basically it's ways to get you to motivate yourself to do things. So the first uh, step is tell the ones you care about that you, how you really feel about them. Give them a hug, give them a bro hug, tell your, tell your wife you love them, tell your, your husband you love them, and then go outside and breathe in the air. Don't just stay inside the house. While outside, actually look up and talk to people. Don't, don't stay in, on your phone. And don't stay in this three-foot circle. There's a whole wide world three inches up out of that circle. If you walk down any street in America right now, you see people just down on their phone. If they look, just look up three inches. They can see the entire world. And that's what I want people to do. If you can do that, and then you can start building things. You, you build your house up, make your house a good home, build your neighborhood, then build your community, get out there and do stuff have a sense of purpose, go out there and work, work hard. And that's what 13 step guides success is about. It's not a business manual. It's a you manual, a better you manual. And that's what, that's what that was born of. About the same time I was told to write that I figured I had about eight hours a, a week left of, of free time in my life. So I said, uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start a podcast. And that was uh, December 20, uh, 2020, yeah. I, I made that decision. So at the end of January, I put out my first show. So just over a year ago, we're 100, uh, 100 plus episodes in now. Uh, it's been a, a great ride. My first few episodes were just veterans on there. I, well, and, and some uh, military family members, military spouses to tell about that side of the story too. Because a lot of people forget that the families go through a lot when we're deployed and stuff. So I had them on. A, the first episode was really Raymond Bird. And Chris Wamoff, uh, two of the original Misfits, they're still part of the Misfits. All the Misfits are still part of it, but those two told their story of how we all came together on the desert plain uh, of Kandahar in 2010 and 11, and where the Misfit Nation was born from. The second episode was George Herrera and Chantel Watts, uh, Chantel uh, coming now Watts, and they told their stories. Uh, Chantel was also a part of the Misfits in Kandahar. George became a member of the Misfits later in life. He was a former uh, Greenside Navy guy, uh, Corman. And then when we went on, I had a lot of uh, veteran penures on there so they can tell the story of their business and tell their story, uh, their, their military journey and why they went into business, why they became, why they became entrepreneurs. And then I realized that I don't just have to have veterans on. I can have people, experts on in the field of mental health, especially, or authors or other uh, people who are entrepreneurs and now is very successful that can help other veterans with their ways, their tricks, their tips and tricks. And I thought that was a great transition for the show to get that going and uh, pushing that forward. And the agenda is to make sure if a veteran calls us, I want to be on your show, you're on the show. Unless you're doing something really dumb, you're getting on the show and uh, I'm going to broadcast you. I'm going to get your story out there because I think a veteran story is the best story. And a lot of them keep it so tight to their chest that it just makes them explode inside. And that's when we go into other issues like the 22 a day and stuff like that. Because they wind up going towards that darkness after they keep it all bottled up for so long. They don't talk to people. And that's where we're kind of gearing towards now. Uh, today, I had a, a Navy veteran on, a really good story. That also a fire chief. It was a retired fire chief, retired Navy guy. Uh, great story. And it was great just chatting with him, just having a chat with a, a brother. And, and that's what it's all about. 
I think it's so important that, um, you know, when you talk about the veterans telling their stories, um, they can share their stories with other veterans a lot easier than the general population. And your podcast is giving them a platform to just share their story and reach many people in and outside of, of the military. And that's really therapeutic. That's really healing. Um, you know, my book, my first book that I wrote was all about telling my story. It's my autobiography. And I had lots and lots of luggage, you know, uh, I was picking it up, you know, walking through the airport, just picking it up at each carousel as I went. But I had to I had to tell it and 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 dump it, you know, and dump all that all that baggage. So that is a it's an awesome platform for veterans to tell their story. And then when you have the expertise on there, you know, that can kind of, you know, uh, come full circle, you know, where they can embrace that as, as they get more of it out, you know? So, uh, yeah, that's, um, that's awesome. What, what do you think, um, what, is there any particular story, uh, the whole time that you've been doing the podcast, is there any one, one story that, um, has really stayed with you the entire time through all the episodes? Well, there's, there's a few, uh, a few Marley ones, uh, Southern sweet and sassy, uh, Missy, Missy Green, she started a coffee business. She was also a Navy. Uh, she was a torpedo repair person, uh, which I was, it's something we used to joke about in the Army. Would you an in-flight uh, missile repairman or whatever? But she was actually a torpedo uh, repairman, repairman. And that's how she met her husband. And now she has a, she has a thriving business, a thriving online presence. Great person, uh, great person to chat with and a great person for veteran issues. She's one that has stayed with me the whole time. Uh, uh, pup camp. Uh, was another one, uh, a veteran that uh, came on, David. He uh, started a puppy training uh, thing online. Uh, it's not something, you know, you, you think it would work because, you know, you think you have to sit there with your dog with some dude or do that telling you how to how to be around your dog so that they behave because, you know, you're really training you, not training the dog. And uh, he, he has it going on. And that's a great story. His whole story is really awesome. Uh, uh, Drive-on podcast, uh, I was on that show. He was on my show. He has an awesome story. He was deployed at the same time as his brother. He was on a mission. His brother was on a mission uh, just south of where he was in Afghanistan. And his brother was taken from us at that point. And so he found out about it while he was overseas. And uh, that uh, that story right there, and uh, he, he wrote a book about it as well. That stays with me. Uh, his, his story was really an awesome story. And the way he's grown from it and the way he shares it is amazing for everyone to have. When it comes to them, you know, sharing their story, you, you mentioned several of, of the people that you've had on. They are currently, are they currently involved with helping other veterans? Uh, most of the ones that are even my veteranpreneurs, they, right. they have their business, but they're also doing things where they help the community as well. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to help someone else instead of themselves. Every, no one is, not one of them said it's all about me it's all about the we every one of them goes about the we not just the me and that, that's something i believe we all need to embrace is it, we're all one big village we need to take care of each other exactly that, and that's kind of where my uh, my thinking was going i you know i i believe it's super important that more and more veterans step up to help other veterans yes um and because in doing so you bring them right back into the company, right back into the platoon, right, you know, right back into the squad or whatever. And you bring them back into that fellowship 
uh, the camaraderie, and you can survive as a group of veterans far better in the civilian world if you are surrounded with other veterans, you know, and, and you have um, a mission statement for your little group, you know, that, that you're, you're all working on something um, not military related, you know, it's, it's in the civilian world, but you're working together to accomplish something within your city, you know, your county, your state, whatever. So um, I'm, I'm a big advocate of that. And uh, it sounds like, so are you, that we yeah. need to help um, our brothers and sisters. I do this podcast to do that. You do yours to do that. And, and we offer, you know, many other things, but uh, yeah, we, we need to encourage our brothers and sisters to all start podcasts. Cause I don't <laughs> care about, I don't care about the competition. I, I think everybody should start, uh, should start one or be on one, you know, um, At least try, yeah. try. Yeah. J- just for that connection. Um, I, I have mentoring clients. Um, I have six, two are civilians, four are veterans. And, you know, I walk them through uh, a nine step process and, and we go back and forth with, with each other. And when I started with, well, at least two of my veteran uh, clients, when I started with them, they had no interest in doing anything for anybody, including themselves. Wow. And they gave up on their buddies. They gave up on the country and they gave up on themselves their last name, their children, their parents, their siblings, yada, yada, yada. And um, we are incorporating veterans back into both of those individuals' lives. And both of them are starting to kind of live the dream of the other veterans that they're part of. They haven't found their own, but they're kind of living every day and they're excited about other veterans' you know, goals and dreams and stuff. So they're kind of riding on the coattails of, of their buddies, but they're, but at least they're involved in, in something other than themselves yes. and their, and their, their negative thinking, you know, um, and that goes to what we're, we're talking about earlier about finding your sense of purpose and those, all those uh, brothers and sisters you were talking about, they, they lost that, that drive that they lost that will to do. And you introducing them to you know, your steps to, in mentoring, to get them to where they need to step out of that comfort zone. Cause they, they build a shell. A lot of veterans build a shell around themselves. Once they get out, they build that shell. And I only, I only trust me or the dude or dude that I was in that foxhole with. That's all I'm going to trust. And if that person isn't talking to me, I'm not listening. And once you break that shell and get them to open and talk, that really helps them out. And uh, that's what we were talking about earlier. Let have them tell the story. Even if, even if it's not on a podcast, go, go to store one of the 9 million coffee shops that are in your hometown. Starbucks or whatever local brand is sitting there and say, Hey, let's have a cup of Joe or whatever you're drinking, dude. And let's talk about it. Share, just take it and get it off your chest. Cause you always hear the number 22, 22 a day, 22 a day. The first few years, it was 22 a day. It wasn't us. It wasn't our, our generation at all. It was Vietnam veterans. They right. came home and had nothing. They came home. They got spit on. They went to the VA. The VA told them, even if they were missing a limb, it wasn't service connected. So they would, they would quit, or I'm not going back to the VA. They're not going to take care of me. Why would I? And then now it's what it's 50 something years later, 60 years later now, uh, they they're finally getting the care. But it's because their struggle that we have the care we have now. It's not the best care. It is care though. We have care, and they're not going to push you away and say it's not from the military. They're going to tell you things like it's going to take eight months to get an appointment or nine months to get an appointment to see that specialist. So good luck with that pain. 
but you got to deal with it. At least we have that option to deal with the pain and not have to say, this is it. I'm done. No one's going to help me. I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that bullet and eat it. That's not, that's not the best answer. There's no reason to make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Right. right. It, it's our time. The, the non-Vietnam veterans, it's our time to make better changes for the generations to follow us. Right. You know, the younger brothers and sisters that are behind us, um, right. there's a bunch that just came out of Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, they're, they're in a whole different group, you know, right. and so uh, to make it better for them. Absolutely. And most uh, of them have a long career ahead of them still. So it, it's, they're going to be the next builders of the, the next wave to make things better. So hopefully we set a, a good example for them as they move forward. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, I wanted just to cover a couple things. You know, we're we're down to five or six minutes, give or take. I don't know about you, but I like doing my podcast because, you know, I, I can control my time. It's not like a, you know, not like being on Fox or Newsmax or on a, on on mainstream media where they go, okay, uh, I got to cut you off because I'm going to a hard break. Well, we don't do that. <laughs> right. And, and and so um, we can just you know have the, have a conversation. Um, in the last few minutes, and this is to benefit the listeners of my podcast, you, I'm sure you've worked with many veterans, you've worked with transition, um, your, your heart and, and your dreams are, are into, um, the Homeland Security, you know, aspect of the country. Um, what message in your podcast or just, just in general, when you're talking to veterans or if you meet a vet a veteran, you know, at a coffee shop, or whatever. Um, what message do you try to convey to them and, you know, share it tonight here? Right. As you know, our, as part of the Misfit Nation, mindset's one of our number one things. Mindset, our loyalty, resilience, family. Those are our, our mantras, our, our goals, our, our core values. If you have a positive mindset, if you say, if you wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to have a great day, you're going to have a great day. So if if I sit down with that veteran and and that veterans uh, going down that uh, oh, the what was me world, I'll stop him right there. Look, you woke up this morning, you put your pants on, right? That's a victory. Did you make your bed? Stack the victories, make your bed, get dressed, shower, shower helps. You be clean, then all of a sudden I, that's another victory for the day. Don't w go woe is me because I don't want to hear that. And, and other veterans don't want to hear you say woe is me. I'm a I'm a helpless veteran. No, you're not a helpless veteran. You got help out here. You just got to open your eyes and see it's here. There's no, there's no limit to how many people are out here that want to help you. You just got to want to actually accept the help. And that's, that's the one thing I definitely tell them and be resilient. Like for me, my journey to find a job, all the no's for every no, there was a one, there was one that said yes. And that's a victory for all those defeats I had. I got knocked down so many times. I got that. Yes. And then I moved forward. Uh, now, currently uh, we just started here in uh, Clarksville, the Travis Manion foundation, uh, Clarksville chapter. I'm the co-leader of that, and uh, this weekend's our first uh, real event as a chapter. We're doing a ruck march where we just get a bunch of people, veterans and uh, local community leaders together. We're going to walk probably three or four miles with ruck on and just chat. Tell me tell me how you doing, brother. Tell me how you doing, sister, and we'll just talk. It, and once you start talking, you won't stop, and that's what you need to do. Don't try to hide everything that you went through, and don't try to make, make it feel like you, it's wrong to talk about it. It's all good to talk about. And once it's off your chest, it's off your chest. Then just drive on, drive forward. Mm -hmm. that, that brings me to another point that we were going to cover, and that's getting out of your own way. Yes. Um, yeah, kind of run with that for a couple minutes. Um, 
on you know your perspective of what that means <laughs> now, when i worked in the veteran nonprofit world i've seen it firsthand where a lot of the veteran nonprofits i won't say names but they basically tell veterans you're broken you're broken and it's because of this this and this that you're broken and they start to believe they're broken because they're getting told you're broken you're not broken you're just different i mean you see a lot of things in the military, especially if you deployed the war, if you were in the front lines of war or, or the asymmetric part of war, and you've seen uh, your buddies get hurt and killed, you've seen things, you've seen a lot of bad things. You're just different. You're not broken. You just need to do things a little differently than you did when you were 12. I mean, you're not 12 no more. You're not 18 no more. You're whatever age you were when you get out. I mean, I was 45 when I got out, 44 when I got out of the military, and I didn't know what to do with my hands, but I knew I was different than I was when I joined at 22. So I knew I had to pivot to be where I was now. I've seen a lot of things in those 22 years. Uh, not all of them were good, not all of them were bad. I mean, you just gotta grow, learn and grow with everything you do. Instead, like you said, stay out of your own way. Every time you put a wall up in front of yourself, you're stopping your progression. Take those walls down and just keep pushing, pushing, pushing forward. Never take steps back. That's great advice, my friend. <laughs> and, when, and when I did the intro, you know, I brought that up as far as, you know, getting out of your own way and I was, I was curious um, on, on your take on that. Uh, we, we talked about the resilience um, real quick. You know, when it comes to veteran issues, um, homelessness, unemployment, underemployment, and suicide, we have talked about that. Um, do you, would you agree with this statement that the number one issue the veterans face is a mental health issue? It's not drug addiction. Um, it's not behavior management. And I think that goes for the nation as a whole. Uh, a mental health is so much bigger than many of the top news stories because it seems like every event and everything that, that happens ties back to mental health in one way or another, you know? Um, so what what's your take on that? What do you think as veterans in 2022, what should be our number one concern or focus? I think mental health is a big issue. Like you said, it's for the whole country. It's not just veterans. Uh, for many years, we did not uh, take care of mental health for any aspect of the, the community as a whole. In the military, it was frowned upon to get help if you had any mental issues uh, early in my career. Uh, late in my career started the transition started as uh, they started noticing changes in people from basically uh, what used to be called battle fatigue or uh, punch drunk head or whatever it's not PTSD now but what they say I mean you got to take care of that brain the brain housing unit I call it so you get the brain housing unit you make sure that's maintained and you read books you get out and you talk to people express yourself do not be afraid to let your story out that helps your mental health that is that leads to the other things you said, addiction. So if you have mental health issues, you, a lot of people are self-medicating, alcohol, drugs, uh, whatever they do, or, or high adrenaline things. They're trying to race cars or, or ride dirt bikes into trees and stuff. They're doing everything they can, can to try to find an adrenaline high that they had in combat that they don't have anymore. Because remember, in combat, you're, you're on 24 hours a day, 365 days in a row. And then you just come home, you're supposed to turn it off. It doesn't turn off. That's why most of us don't sleep. We get about three hours of sleep and you're right back at it. And, and that's the part of the reason because we're always on and learning to know when to turn off and, and kick the brakes and maybe just watch a cartoon or something. That's the best thing to do for your mental health. Find something that's, that 
that makes you relax, move, get up and move a bit and then get back at what you were doing. That'll help your mental health and your stability. And fine, if you have to, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't want you to go to a, a person you don't want to talk to, but if you need to go get help and find someone that actually works for you, try one, try two, try three. Don't settle on that first one unless they're perfect for you as soon as you walk in. And if that happens, uh, good for you. Because most times it will not be the first person. It's usually the second or third person you talk to that's actually the right fit for you. It's, it's not one size fits all and not every person is great with every person. So you got to make sure the shoe fits before you run out. Perfect. Um, that basically ties in, I think, to uh, ending, you know, the episode because we're right at right at the end here and uh, we're going to wrap it up. But everything you just said, my mind equates it to two words, personal mission. You, 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 the military mission is one aspect and that's that's the team. But us as veterans, we have to have a personal mission that keeps us running 24 seven, keeps right. us moving. And and when when your mind is racing, that has to be directed in a positive direction, but part of your new mission. And we all I think as you know, now that we're civilians, I think we all need to uh, kind of redefine that. What is our mission now? Um, it doesn't mean the mission um, the mission in the military ended, but our personal mission is just starting. And so, Definitely. yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a good wrap. <laughs> awesome. Um, I appreciate, uh, Rich, you being on the podcast, uh, men on a mission podcast, and we'll end it with the mission, um, find yours and, uh, and go full throttle. You know, that's, uh, that's the key, uh, an idle mind. I don't, I don't know how that saying goes, but an idle mind is not good. And, uh, and I'll leave it at that. So, um, thanks once again. Um, we're going to have your links in the show notes so people can reach out to you. Uh, I encourage the listeners to check out Rich's podcast. It is awesome. Um, go to Amazon, pick up his book and plug into him, send him a message, uh, Send them an invite, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever, and uh, and connect with them. Uh, once again, he is another guest on the Men on a Mission podcast that is here 100% for you, my listeners. Um, you know, he loves you. He wants you to stay strong and uh, and move on to, to good things. So that's why, why he's on here tonight. So thank you, sir. I appreciate you being on. I'm going to wrap up like I always do uh, to the listeners of the podcast. Remember to take care of yourself, love yourself, and more importantly, take care of your little me, your little man or your little woman uh, in you. Uh, they need you more than you can imagine, and you have to protect and take care of them. And in turn, um, you'll be a much happier person. So um, we're going to wrap it up. Good night for now, and we will be back hopefully in a couple of weeks. I have some scheduling uh, conflicts coming up in the month uh, month of March and April, so I might be doing some rebroadcasts. But as uh, soon as I have a uh, another live uh, interview, uh, we'll have you another episode uh, to listen to. So take care, everyone, and uh, stay strong. Bye for now.